My name is Chris. Uh, I serve as a lead pastor here, and as Nick mentioned, I've been gone the last six weeks out of this place, and uh, it's uh, good to be back. It's kind of like putting training wheels back on uh, with first service here, uh, but it's so good to be back around here and, uh, and to be able to share this morning. And uh, as I mentioned, over the, the next number of weeks, I'll share a little bit more uh, bits and pieces about sabbatical and what I learned. And, uh, and even this series is, is some of the processing and, uh, and heart for who we are as a people and where we're going and what we're doing. And so I want to start with a passage from Romans chapter 12. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, part of it, and then Jeremiah 18. So if you'd like to uh, get yourself to those places, you are welcome to do so at this time. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. So this is us. This is together as family. It's the church. It's this church. It's a church down the road. It's a church across the state, across the country, across the world. The the church are those following Jesus in Christ, brothers and sisters. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, to lay ourselves down completely and utterly, holy and pleasing to God. So this living sacrifice is holy and pleasing to God. When God looks, he sees without blemish, without fault, without uh, anything standing in the way. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be reformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love so many things about this passage, but especially that last part, because we desire to know the will of God. At least I do, and I think many of you desire to know the will of God. You're asking that question in prayers, and as you're processing, making decisions, God, what is it that you desire for my life? And I love that in this passage of Romans, we can know the will of God. It's not this thing that's too far out there or absent or just impossible to know. We can know the will of God. But it's by this transformation, this reforming of the mind, then we can say, all right, let's try this. Let's test this. Let's see what God is doing in this as we draw near to him, what his good and pleasing and perfect will is. We can know these things. So as a church and as individuals who make up the church, we can know his will. Now, this is Labor Day weekend, and it's a holiday set aside to honor those who labor and labor movement and many different things that were first celebrated in 1882. And then 12 years later, it was established as a federal holiday. In the 80s and 90s, meaning the 1980s and the 1990s, my parents took advantage of this weekend and this day for us to labor at home whether it be sealing a driveway or some, you know, pulling out shrubs or whatever it is, they wanted us to labor. And so I have memories of this labor throughout the years that way as well. But we pause, and you may have plans tomorrow in many different ways, but it is this this pause to think about the work that has been done around us and in our country. And and even the the roots of where this came from uh, is extremely interesting But recently, Aubrey and I were, my daughter Aubrey and I were in Detroit for uh, two days, and we just went around the city, the city known for the automobile industry, and we drove by the Ford Paquette plant where the first Model T was mass-produced, and over a year, over 20 years, 15 million Model Ts were built in this plant that we drove by. 
And not only mass production that we think of often with Detroit and other places, but also those who have the skill and they work with their hands and they create just these beautiful small products on a smaller scale. When we were in Detroit, we went to a uh, letter uh, press print shop and it was amazing to see uh, the, the, the shop set up in the back where working with so many just uh, intricate pieces to create these beautiful posters and postcards and all sorts of different print materials. So I am in awe of all who uh, produce, all who make, all who create. And this is something that God has given us the ability to do, you to create. And we look around this church and, and many of you have created or, or built or designed different things, whether that is in your job or maybe in a hobby that you have, that you work at. Recently, I ran into a, a friend and not seen him for a while. And so I asked him, I said, what projects have you been working on? And he, with a smile, he pulled up his, his iPad and he started showing me a car that he was rebuilding piece by piece. And he had it all laid out in his iPad and he was showing me, he's like, hey, right now I'm, I'm working on this part of the car. I'm rebuilding this and uh, in, the, my, in my metal shop, I'm working on this. And he told me that, you know, month, a couple months, uh, up to a year, he'd have this car finished. But his next car was going to be rebuilding a Lamborghini. And I'm like, oh, like the little boy in me was like, I want to come hang out with you and watch you do this. And I said, how long is this going to take? He said, probably a couple years. And this is where I often trip, is that I want things done quickly. I want things produced now, and I want to have them now and, and enjoy them now instead of the slow process it takes to build things of quality and beauty. This is where I fall so short. And where many of us may do the exact same thing. We get impatient. When it comes to spiritual formation, Things of beauty like spiritual formation take a long time to build. It takes a long time to grow. And so often we just want to jump ahead and be like, I am fully formed. I am like Jesus. I've just got it all together. Sin is not an issue. I just, I'm filled with joy. I'm filled with life. I am just filled with peace and patience. But that's not the real human experience. We have these moments where it feels like that and then something hits and it's this valley. But that valley is part of the spiritual formation, the development, the reformation that takes as we walk with Jesus. And we need to be patient. Because guess what? God is patient with you. And God is patient with me. God is a God of love, of mercy, of grace, that is patient with us in our development. And he calls us to, as in Romans, is that we would offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That we wouldn't conform to the patterns of the world, which is quick and now and just whatever the pleasure is. That we would have this slow forming, this transformation of renewing of mind, then which leads into action. That we would be patient with ourselves as God is patient with us. Now this formation, Paul talked about this when he wrote to the church at Philippi. He said this, he said, he who began a good work in you, I want you to hear this church, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to what? That's not today. Well, I mean, it could be, but hopefully not. Until the day of Christ Jesus. God is working. If you have breath, God is working in you and through you and forming you and desiring for you to develop. And in view of God's mercy, this kindness and compassion 
we offer ourselves and say, God, develop. God, work in me. I want to be a part. I want to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remember, God is patient. God is kind. Now, as we walk into the series, we're the church. We're going to look at three different words that if you've been around this church for any number of weeks, you may have heard how we talk about wanting to be a church who develops. We want to be a church that serves, and we want to be a church that reaches people for Jesus. As Nick mentioned a few moments ago, it's not that I go to church or I love my church or whatever it is. It's like we are the church. As human beings, those who follow Jesus are the church. And so whether we're gathered or whether we're scattered, we're the church. When you go to work or school or wherever you're going on Tuesday, you're the church. When you're gathered here, you're the church. And God continues to work. Jesus continues to work through us even in our shortcomings, even as we fall short of the glory of God. Even as you look at that area in your life, God is working in you and wants to form and develop you, and you are not too far gone. This is the call to the church. Don't be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed, reformed by the renewing of our mind. See, in this renewing of the mind, something happens when we're not conformed to the pattern, when we really set ourselves out there and we say, all right, Jesus, here's my life. Do what you wish. Take it, mold it, form it. Something happens. And what that is is that sin starts to rise to the surface. And what we can do would be like, nope. We're like, yeah, we'll deal with that some other time. But when we continue to be transformed or reformed, he's going to draw this to our attention. What is this area, this pattern, this sin, this whatever it is? It's going to come to the top and come to the top when we're saying, Holy Spirit, do a work in us. When we start to push the voice of the Holy Spirit aside, we're not going to hear that so much. But we, as followers of Jesus, who are being transformed, developing, need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and confess quickly because God knows and he's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. He's saying, come to me. Whatever you're carrying, whatever that is, whatever you're trying to hide, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And we need to be quick to repent, to turn, to grieve, to mourn the sin, and be formed into his likeness. See, this is what it means to be a disciple. And to be a disciple is one who follows Jesus. We so often just say, well, I'm a Christian, and then we can think about how disciples are like super Christians. They're the ones who just pray all the time and read the word all the time and they're somehow joyful all the time. Those are the disciples. But rather, this is what Dallas Willard wrote. The word disciple occurs 269 times in the New Testament. The word Christian is found three times and was first introduced to refer precisely to the disciples of Jesus. The New Testament is a book about disciples, by disciples, and for disciples of Jesus Christ. If we follow Jesus, we're a disciple. If we claim to know him as our Lord and Savior, we're a disciple. And the word is written to us for us to develop and serve and reach, which are all active words. So how I think, what I say, what I do, these are all formative realities of what God is doing in me and what I'm allowing to be done. As Paul said in Romans, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
So formation comes in two ways. One, you have absolutely nothing to do with. Nothing. It was not your choice whatsoever. And the first part of formation is that you were formed. Psalms 139 said this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, God, are wonderful, and I know that full well. Your eyes, verse 16, saw my unformed body. All these days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. The psalmist is saying, hey, you knew me when I was conceived. You knew me, and, and you had plans, and you have plans for me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The psalmist talks about this. Jeremiah talks about this. Isaiah talks about it. Galatians, Paul in Galatians talks about God knowing us in the womb before we were even born. This is why every human life is important and has value, is that you were formed and there's plans and purpose for you, the people around you in the world, people all around us. So you were formed. And the second part is this, is that you are being formed. This is where you participate. This is where I participate. Again, if you're hearing these words, God has a plan for you, a purpose for you. He's working in you and through you. And he desires to continue to form you and shape you for you to know his will. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. It's where we're going to spend uh, our time here out. Jeremiah chapter 18. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet, and he ministered for about 40 years, in, beginning in 627 B.C. Jeremiah had a tough job, just like every other prophet. The Israelites uh, entered into a covenant with God long before Jeremiah. God said, hey, if you follow in these ways, I'm going to bless you. If you don't, then there's going to be trouble that's going to come out of this. And this is really what we teach our children, right? Is that hey, follow in these ways, and, and we want you to succeed. But you need to stay away from these things because there's trouble behind this. And so what Jeremiah would do is would go and say, hey, Israelites, people, you've sinned again. Remember that covenant? Yeah, you're not walking in that. But I want you to know that we serve a patient God. And I love Jeremiah because his heart comes across. Some prophets are just right to the point. Jeremiah pleads in this, and you see his heart come out. And Jeremiah talks about, hey, you remember when the, the Assyrians were coming to attack us and God held them back? That was his patience. Remember when the Egyptians came and they were ready to attack us and God held them back? That was his patience. I want to point out the Babylonians. They're really close here. And yes, God has been patient. In fact, he's been patient for 900 years. I mean, parents, like, Nine seconds worth of patience is a victory sometimes, right? God for 900 years has been patient, showing his grace and his mercy. And Jeremiah's like, yes, that's true. But remember, God is a God of justice. God, that is warning you. So when Jeremiah warned them, the Israelites did not humble themselves. They did not repent they continued to disregard the warning. I mean, God has been patient. He's going to be patient again. And Jeremiah pleads. And so what the Lord does is what we see here in Jeremiah 18, verse 1. 
This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred. So it was spoiled or ruined or polluted. A lot of these different words can be used. In his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. So in Isaiah, another prophet, he talks about how God is the potter and we're the clay. And that God is constantly working. So again, we have this imagery that God is using of a potter and clay. I want to point out something here is that the, the potter notices this marring in this pot that he's working with. Something that I love is that the potter didn't take the, the clay and go, nope, too bad, and grab something different. The potter saw the marring and he started forming it into another pot. He was working with something. He's like, there's something here that just won't work out. And so we're going to start again and we're going to start working on this to bring about the beauty, the design, the plan, the purpose out of this pot. And there's times in our life, just like God was warning Israel, that there's a remolding that goes on. We've been building and working in something, and there's this marring that goes on. Whether that's something that we refuse to address, or God wants to work through, or whatever that is, is he says, all right, there's some reshaping that's going on. I want to carry out this plan and this purpose for you. In Ephesians, Paul says, we are God's handiwork, his masterpiece, his work of art, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So again, if you know Jesus, we, we've been created to do these good works. He's got a plan prepared in advance for us. And God is working, shaping us, trying to continue to form us. And I think of that clay that God is working. I mean, if that clay had feelings, this like, you know, the smashing and the pressure and the forming and the, the molding, that would be, it would be a difficult reality. And many times life is difficult. There is this smashing, this forming, this like, ow, reality that's happening. Whether that's a choice that we've made or whether that's something that's happening around us. And we find ourselves in this place of, of reformation, of development, that God is consistently and continually working on us. And maybe that's a, a need for forgiveness of sin or, or healing in areas of brokenness or hope in areas of despair that you're facing, strength and weakness, light for where it seems dark, love where we feel a lack, or maturity where we're immature. And so if we're facing these things, I want to tell you this morning that you're still being formed. That if you are making yourself available before the Lord, saying, develop me, form me, transform me, like, like the, the passage in Romans, there's a forming that God is still willing to do. That he's not taking you the clay and just going, see ya. And I want you to receive these words as words of comfort and as words of care. That God is still working. But at the same time, receive them as a word of caution. Let's see what Jeremiah continues to say. Verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. 
If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation and a kingdom is to be built up and planted, and it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended for it to do. Now, after reading a passage like that, I have a very deep, intelligent question of why, God? Right? Not super deep by any means. But I look at it, I'm like, God, I thought you were merciful and patient and gracious, and, and you're, you're, you're going to do that? And then I try to put on the best God mind that I possibly can, and I think of all the different ways that I would do it differently. I mean, let's, let's give them another chance. What's 900 and like one year, right? 902 years. Paul addresses my faulty thinking in Romans chapter 9 when he says this. But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Ouch. What shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory. The author of Romans is getting at there is saying like, we, we just don't have the mind of God. There's going to be times in life where you will not understand what is happening. That we will not understand the mind of God. And God doesn't have to explain himself. That may be frustrating and you may be very upset that I was just said, but that's the reality. There's just certain things that God does because he's God. That God is working and molding and forming and we may not understand that. Our role is this humility, this confession, this repentance, this seeking the will of God with nothing to hide, saying, God, form me. Form me. This is painful. I don't know what to do with this. Lord, meet me in the middle of this. This is sin. God, I don't want to get rid of this sin. It's not that big of a deal. But it's this thing of, God, meet me in this. And I confess this and I repent this. This is what James is getting at when he said, submit yourselves then to God. Submit, humble yourself. Humble everything about yourself. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up. Again, not words that are super encouraging of like, hey, it's going to be wonderful. You're going to have all the answers. Rather, James is getting at this point of like, you just need to humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he will lift you up. I mean, there's promises throughout Scripture. I don't know specifically in your case how God's going to lift you up, but God will when we lay ourselves before you, saying, before God, just saying, develop me, form me, reform me. There is this marring in this pot that you're working. Reform me. 
Jeremiah, he prophesied. And he warned and he warned and he warned. And at the very end of his ministry, he had the unfortunate reality in 586 BC to see Jerusalem fall. Everything he had been warning the Israelites about, that he had been pleading with them, happened. And you can read in 2 Kings 25 the full narrative of this. But essentially what happened, there was famine that came to the land. The city walls were broken through. They killed the sons of the king. The king's eyes were put out. He was taken to Babylon. Fire was set to the temple of the Lord. Every important building in the city was burned down. The walls were all broken down. And anyone who remained was taken into exile. Is God merciful and patient with us and with the Israelites? Yes, absolutely. But is he just? Yes, absolutely. Will we always understand this? No. See, God desires for us to be like him. And he continues to work and form and develop, bringing about what is needed for us. Not saying he caused the things in your life to happen. He's not some cruel tyrant like, ha ha, this thing happened. But he uses these situations See, God desires for us to walk with him as close as possible through the highest moments of life and the lowest moments of life. That's why Paul in Romans said, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. To be a living sacrifice is painful. He says, do not conform. That's painful. It's easy to conform. Be transformed. Be remade. That takes effort. It takes work. It takes a long walk in a direction towards God. Remember where we started? Things of beauty are formed over time, not just this done. It is this walk. It is, as James said, submitting to God and resisting the devil. It is as Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, not the one I want to form, not the one I want to build where I understand everything and everything's perfect and, and it's all about my pleasure says, your kingdom come and your will be done. A.W. Tozer, he said this, he wrote this. He said, in every Christian's heart, there's a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne. He's king, she's king. Till he puts himself on the cross. If he refuses a cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist that Christ do all the dying. No cross for us, no dethronement, no dying. We remain king within the little kingdom of man's soul, and we wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of a Caesar, but we doom ourselves to the shadows and the weakness of spiritual sterility. I don't think any of us Desire to live a life in the shadows, spiritually weak, spiritually, spiritually sterile. We desire a fullness. Uh, as John 10.10 10 says, uh, he came to give us life and life to the full. This is what the Lord Jesus desires for us. Therefore, formation and development of the church, this reformation, this development of people, you, me, 
is central to the health and the mission of the church. So we as the church together, we need to develop. And in that development is, is a laying bare of anything we're, we're hiding, we're, we're keeping apart. It's this formation into Christ's likeness. And we don't do it alone. We need each other. One of the songs we sang, each other, that hope, that love, it can't just be contained in you. It's contained in the love of the body, together, walking through seasons together, both high and low. As we walk into this week ahead of us, this Labor Day tomorrow, as we come out of this Labor Day weekend, I want to encourage us to be a people who, as we think about labor, we think about the work that the Lord desires to do in us. And in that print shop that Aubrey and I were in, it was just very basic materials of ink and paper and different presses. This is raw material that they took and they created beautiful pieces of art. And you, when we come before the Lord, we're like this raw material. When we're open and honest and, and raw before the Lord of just saying, this is who I am and this is really what I'm processing and this is really where I'm at and this is what I'm struggling with. This is my sin. When it's this raw material, the Lord takes that. He desires to form something beautiful out of that raw material. As we walk into this week, as you think about labor, as you go back to work or school or whatever's before you, you think about this raw material before the Lord, saying, God, form me, shape me. And that maybe you would use a prayer that we find in Psalm 51. I want to pray this prayer over us. And, and as I pray these words from Scripture, this is something you can do later this week as well that maybe these words would speak to you at where you're at and some of what you're, you're processing here this morning. As this is really a, a heartfelt confession from David. So let us pray these words, and if you agree with this, you just agree with the Lord. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from all of my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge, Lord. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins 
and blot out all my iniquity. Lord, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Or grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Lord, I thank you for the words from the psalmist. God, thank you for that you are quick to forgive. You are quick to welcome. You are quick to love and quick to offer your mercy. And Lord, for each person that, that prayed those words and, and confessed that before you today, God, whether that's the first time or the thousandth time, Lord, thank you that you forgive. And Lord, I pray for, for each person who prayed those words that there would be an ongoing formation and development and transformation, God, by your spirit, Lord, as we walk from this place. Lord, that we would know you and know your heart and know your will. Lord, thank you for the promise that we can know your will. And so, Lord, may we walk in your way. And we're thankful for your forgiveness and love. We pray this in Jesus' strong, powerful, and loving name. Amen. One of the beautiful opportunities we have as followers of Jesus is uh, something that Jesus set forth long ago. And it's gathering together around a table. And as part of our togetherness, as we develop together, uh, we receive the Lord's Supper together. And this is a, a meal that Jesus set forth to remind us of what Jesus was about to do on the cross when he first shared it with his disciples. He offered bread and it was his broken body. He offered uh, wine and it was his shed blood. And so today as we take the bread and we take the juice, that, that we would be reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, that he atoned, he paid for your sin, my sin on the cross. What we just talked about is what Jesus did long ago, desiring that relationship with you. And so at FBC, we have open communion, which means if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to receive communion. And the scriptures warn us too, as we've just been talking about, is to make sure that we've confessed sin before uh, we receive this. Uh, that just again, that desire for the right relationship that the Lord has. And so today, as you come forward, in the gold trays, there is both the bread and the juice. It's double stacked. The bread is at the bottom. And there's also some sealed cups up here if you prefer the sealed cups. And so as you come, we invite you to come and take that and return to your seat with the elements. And then together, as a body, we will take uh, both the bread and the juice. So when you're ready, uh, we invite you to come forward uh, to pick up the elements and return to your seat. And then I'll lead us through uh, the receiving of the elements. Thank you. 
merciful Father, one who's called us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Lord, in this moment, we humble ourselves. Lord, we recognize the beauty, the, the gravity of Lord, what this meal represents. Got a life-altering, eternity-altering gift from the Father, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So, Lord, as we hold the bread, as we think of Jesus' words that last night, Jesus who said, this is my body, which is for you, to do this in remembrance of Jesus. So today we receive this bread in remembrance of Jesus' broken body. Would you take a knee? Jesus, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it remembrance of him to take a drink. And so Lord Jesus, we're called to proclaim your death until you come again. And so Lord, as we walk out of here living sacrifices for you, Lord, seeking your will, your way, your direction. Lord, I pray that we would continue to die to ourselves. And Lord, we would be filled by your spirit, filled with your love and your compassion, your joy, your peace. God, that we would walk not only proclaiming your death, but proclaiming your life and the life we have found, both life to the full now and life eternal. So Jesus, you are good. Lord, we're so grateful. Lord, thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name.